Welcome back to Onto the Ball. This is Scott, your host, as always, joined by Travis. And normally for Man United content, it's Naz. Lads, it's Liverpool versus Man United. Man United versus Liverpool. No matter what way you put it round, it is our Christmas day. It's what Onto the Ball was made for. Um, there's one team in form and there's one team struggling. It couldn't come at a worse time, probably for Man United fans, Ten Hag in particular. But the fixture list is what it is. Off the back of a humbling 3-0 defeat at home to Bournemouth. Um, going out of the Champions League, bottom of the group. Conceded a record amount of goals. Liverpool away next. And then is it home to West Ham? Yeah, and then another... To Villa. No, the other way around. Away to West Ham, home to Villa. Away to West Ham, home to Villa. But anyway, yeah. it, it doesn't get much uh, more difficult than this. So let's get straight into it. Liverpool against Man United. At the top of the show, Naz, we always do it. Because I ain't spoke to you in about two weeks. Ten Hag, in or out? For me, still in. Oof. <laughs> it's testing. It's testing, but it's still in. And I've got I've got theories behind that, but we'll get that into No, go straight into it, straight into it. Because it right. I've said to in the group chat, I can't remember if I put it in our Man United group chat or not, but it's never been worse than this, surely to really God in the last hasn't. 10 years. It really hasn't, but I mean, as the saying goes, it's got to get worse to get better. And I mean, the only way is up. I mean, we get beaten by Liverpool. I'm not even joking, even if it's 4-0, there's still an improvement from last season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless you get beaten worse, then then it's uh, something to really, really talk about. But again, how I might turn that we... into a short Naz, actually. Four <laughs> <laughs> nil will be an improvement on seven nil last year. Put it as a meme. I'll have it as a meme. Yeah. But the thing is, it's like we have the same discussion over and over again uh, about every single manager that comes in, Trav. It's like, oh, the player. You always hear the players. I've lost interest in the manager or they don't believe in him. But it's every single manager. The last five man, every manager since Sir Alex has been the same issue and the same rumours that are coming out. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's just, for me, you wanted to get that manager in to play that different style, which obviously we haven't seen as yet. But we want a disciplinarian. We've got a disciplinarian. And now people want him out to bring in supposedly and rumoured Grant Potter. Ooh, Graham Potter, pot dog, Trav. Are you having pot dog? No, it wouldn't be my preferred choice, Graham Potter, at all. Obviously, uh, in his tenure at Chelsea, it didn't last very long and he did struggle with a club that's sort of got a similar dynamic to us off the field at the moment. Um, so, yeah, he wasn't able to sort of cope with that um, element. And it, it was his first huge job in terms of ma managing, like, massive... I wouldn't say superstars, but players on big contracts with high expectation levels to perform week in, week out. And, and that pressure is what can sort of swallow you swallow you up in a big job like that, especially when it's your first attempt. But I don't think managers should be should live and die by just one attempt in a, in a particular role. I think if you look at David Moyes when he went from Everton to United and his, his spell at United didn't last very long, he's, he's gone away and rebuilt his career. It might not be to the level of, at the highest level, but I think after the Sociedad job, he's really sort of stabilised himself at West Ham. I know they're struggling a little bit this year, but Graham Potter's 
career is certainly not over, but he wouldn't be my preferred choice for Man United, no. I agree. The thing is, like, with managers, it's not about, like, we've said it before, it's not about a manager's washed or not. It's just the wrong manager at the wrong time or made the wrong decision. You only Sometimes you only really get one crack at it. Like, I mean, I always point to Unai Emery at Arsenal. I mean, look at him now at Aston Villa. Mm. Um, he's absolutely flying. And I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about um, Ten Hag's replacement because Ten Hag's still there. Yeah. Um, he's still, he's got a lot of backing as we've got one here, Naz. Um, on Twitter, there's a lot of backing. Obviously, he's got the backing of the ex-pros. You've got Rio Ferdinand, you've got Mark Goldbridge, which we were laughing at his tweets, I think it was yesterday or the day before, Trav. He keeps tweeting, slagging off his team selection or slagging off something. And then his next tweet is, if you want Ten Hag out, you're a nutter. He makes no <laughs> sense, does he? Yeah, he seems to be very... Goldbridge does this, though. We, we, we've seen him do this with a lot of previous managers. Huh? Oh, no, he's back. Sorry, mate, you froze for a second. Sorry. Oh, sorry, mate. Yeah, we've seen Goldbridge do this notoriously. I think he sort of wants to be seen to be back in a manager right until the end. And then he's got this, like, fantastic manipulative way of, like, making you feel stupid if you're, if you're not on board with him. That's what he's all about, isn't he? So I think you take sort of his opinions with a little bit of a pinch of salt because when he goes on... I mean, street, he hates Anana, don't he? Yeah, he don't like Anana, no, but... Yeah, look, the, the most important thing in this situation is is the club, and they're back in Ten Hag at the moment. They, they're bringing in a structure that they want him to work underneath. I, I think there is a little bit of conflict as to how much power Ten Hag is going to get over the actual recruitment itself. But I think the fans will never truly know what sporting control looks like. We've been told that um, Sir Jim Ratcliffe and his team are going to have sporting control, but... But what is sporting control? What what do they what do they want that to look like? What do the fans want it to look like? Whether the fans want it to look one way and the club want it to look another way is irrelevant. Who's going to have what remit? And what is what is not happening now? What we want to happen? What do we actually want clarity over as fans? Um, and and what do we want that model to look like? And I think from my perspective, in terms of sporting control, I sort of want to see some policies set in place that are sort of like clear guidelines that any manager comes in has to sort of follow. So, for example, about like the age of players, like the majority and the bulk of the squad should be under a certain age in terms of how you want to build your team long term. I think there should be other parameters in place that managers have to follow as well in terms of contract length, Um like the, the amount that we pay players, they're the sorts of things that I see in terms of footballing control and footballing structures to sort of incentivize and motivate motivate players to do their utmost. I mean, just one quick example before we move on. Sir Alex Ferguson used to give players at the academy a really low basic salary and a high performance bonus to sort of incentivize them to want to play more games. So they got paid more. And that was the way he did it with the youngsters. So just things like that, I think we need to sort of rein back in and stop paying younger players such big money from a young age. And it might help with the motivation of players. But ultimately, it's still down the, to the manager to get, the, to get the most and keep them grounded. Pep Guardiola does that and keeps players grounded and stuff. So I think a lot of responsibility will still lie with the manager. We've mentioned it on the last poddy, haven't we, Trav? And obviously, we'll mention it again. I don't know if you watched the poddy now as you went on it, but what's your uh, hopes and expectations for Sir Jim Ratcliffe coming to the club? Um, 
I just hope you bring some stability. If it is him that's going to get in, some stability, take away the control of recruitment. Because if we have a look at Ten Hag signing and all the signings that he's bought in, a lot of people saying, oh, he's he's had him in the past. He trusts him and all of that. And it hasn't, it hasn't worked. Look at Anthony, for instance. That's not worked at all. So I do think they need to look at players how, for instance, I'm going to hate to say this, Liverpool do it and bring in a player that's going to fit their system properly that they can build upon. And I don't think Ten Hag or any manager should be that person that makes that decision. That decision should be down to a sporting director, a football director, whatever you want to call it. And they should see their vision, how Ajax, like Overmars, um, Van der Sar had it. You have them playing a certain way from the youth levels up, and then you get a player on the, on the market that fits that sort of mold that can expand. That's what I ideally would like. Um, a lot of the pressure should be taken off any manager that's there and let the manager do the manager's job. Not all this background noise of takeovers, sporting directors, players acting out, all of that nonsense. It's all noise that's just disrupting the team. And that's the thing what is I like, like. What you're both kind of heading towards is a real restructure of the, the playing personnel. And again, we mentioned on the last stream, Trav, this is a a long solution. This isn't like a, a one transfer window style of play. This is a real from the not grassroots from the foundations of the the club yeah. and the team. You're talking three, four, five years. And I mentioned it again, like the turnover your squad Naz, It's just it's not. There's not enough turnover there. You've still got the. Martial's there, Luke Shaw, who's not your worst player. Luke Shaw, if, if we made a list like now of who you'd keep, Luke Shaw's in it. But still, Luke Shaw's been there, what, seven, eight years? Anthony Martial, McTominay is not young anymore, so he's come through the youth system as he outstayed his welcome. But there's these players that have seen three, four, five managers go. And it, again, it is off the back of, like Trav's just mentioned, and you've just mentioned it now, as the Liverpool profile, Okay. I don't know if you know it, but the Liverpool profile as well, it's not just the age, like 22, 23. It's also the wage bracket. These mm -hmm. players that we bring in, I can guarantee you right now, Luis Diaz, Dominic Sabosle, they're on about 80K a week. Mm -hmm. They're players that have come from another league to have your chance in the Premier League to come to a club like Liverpool. Obviously, we've done due diligence. They've got the family background. We know what type of person they are. There's no like dickheads, as they say. Jurgen Klopp's got a no dickheads policy, but they come in. And if you come in and hit the ground running one year, two year, you get incremented to 120, 140K a week. And then if you become the world star like Mo Salah, you're on 200K a week, like upwards. Simple as that. That's the policy that Man United are still not doing. They're still bringing in Jaden Sancho on the top, top money. Um, Anthony will be on the top, top money. Harry Maguire come from Leicester on top, top money. And it's not just the turnover of players that you need to leave the club to move on to the next stage and bring in this new philosophy, this new type of squad. It's also you've got to identify them type of players. And these players are just hanging around like a bad smell. I think, yeah, I, although I agree with that, I think there's two things that I want to mention. The first thing, obviously, you've changed your sporting director and still recruited well. So, like, the, so you've gone from Michael Edwards to this George Samat, and everyone was kicking off about the signings before they've started performing. So the manager still has to get them to play. He's the one that 
like inspires or motivates and demands oh, and, definitely, keeps, definitely, and sets yeah. that standard. So we talk about culture. Klopp sets that. Any player that walks through the door automatically performs to a standard and fits into a system because a director of football might have a vision, but it's still the manager that coaches it and implements it. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, how how low do we want to go in terms of the expectation level? So what I mean by that is, is it has to be pound for pound relative. So for example, let's say everyone's saying at the moment, United have got no structure. So a team like Bournemouth comes to Old Trafford and wins 3-0 with consummate ease, yeah? So does that mean they're automatically the first thing that their structure is better than them? The second thing is, it's all about expectation level. So let's say Bournemouth and Man United have got exactly the same idea. So both their managers want to play in exactly the same way. Yeah. And both both teams need an attacking midfielder. Man U can spend 60 million on that on that midfielder to do exactly the same instructions and role in the team as Bournemouth, but they can only spend 10 million on their team. So on, on that player in that same position. So why is that £10 million player with the same role in instructions, for example, outworking that £60 million player at United, for example, doing the same thing? So what I'm saying is, is there has to be a limit to how low we can go. Because if we if we're if we haven't got a structure, but we're getting dominated by absolutely everyone in the league with no with no resources like we have in terms of the spending power and stuff. What about, do we go down to the championship? Are them teams going to start dominating us? There's got to be a limit. Do you know what I mean? Some Bournemouth's whole team costs about 15, 20 million quid. It's like, there's got to be a base level where we say we can't rely on the structure. I know for the longer term view and the overall arching goals is the Premier League, Champions League, competing at the highest level. We need everything to be in sync in that way. But when teams like Luton that have just come up, we're just scraping by, like, like there's got to, for me, there's got to be a bit of a boundary where I'm saying, like, come on, now. do, do you get what I mean, Naz? I get 100% what you mean. Just mm. talking about Luton, I think that was a bit of a bad example, Trav. Reason yeah. being, because they've done well against big teams. City have just scraped by, yeah. Liverpool just scraped by, Arsenal scraped by, Tottenham scraped by, and we scraped yeah. by. So Luton are holding their own, but I get yeah. what you mean. I get what you're what you're coming from. For instance, Bournemouth. I mean, Liverpool put nines past them last season. We just, I think we got away with 2-0 victory last season. We shouldn't but, be holding 3-0 at Old Trafford to them. Like No, not at all. See, the thing is, for me, I think it goes down to accountability. Yeah, There seems to be no accountability when players perform as bad as they're, they're performing. Now, yes, that comes from Ten Hag and that comes from everyone else. But they know that if they don't really care or don't really listen to Ten Hag, Who's going to implement any other um, discipline action against them? Because certainly yeah, he not does. He does really, doesn't he? I mean, he's dropped Rash. Let's be honest. He's dropped Rash the last couple of games. Yeah, he's, he's dropped, dropped Varane. Uh, that was a long time coming. The Rash one was a long time coming. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what's caused quite a lot of friction as well. Like how he's disciplined certain players. Because even with Rash, I'm not condoning his attitude. He's been walking around for a while, do you know what I mean, on the pitch, like really taking the mick on the pitch. And he should have been dropped about eight games ago and no one would have argued with it. Mm -hmm. But even Rash is probably thinking, well, I'm playing the same as I did eight, 
date eight games ago and he didn't do anything. So why now? Like, why now? Unless he just feels it's become untenable. But other players are seeing how he's treating other players as well. So, like, you've got the Sancho thing. Anthony had that disciplinary issue off the field and just walked straight back into the starting lineup as soon as he was available. He didn't even train. Then you've got, like, Mason Mount. Where like he hasn't even been involved. I know he's just got injured now, but there was a a four to five game block in the Premier League where he was fit and wasn't getting in the starting lineup. Like he must be quite disillusioned as to why he's not getting minutes. I understand with Amrabat he wasn't one hundred percent fit, but I just think I don't think anyone can guarantee what Tenag's going to do with the lineup. I don't think you can. I don't think you can hand on heart trust what he's going to do and how he's going to pick the lineup. Because you don't like, know who he's going to be fell out with by Saturday, do you? <laughs> no, no, that's a, that's another thing as well. I mean, how do you feel, Naz? Like, do you feel confident that he's going to pick the right team? Can you see the vision? Like, it, and it's fine to say you can't see the vision now, and he might get it in the future. But at this moment in time, when you watch Man United or went before the game starts, do you feel confident that you know? what he's going to do with the team and how we're actually going to approach a game? I can confidently say no. Yeah. <laughs> confidently say no. Because no matter what happens or what gets said or what performances uh, he puts in, I know for a fact Anthony's going to be on the right wing. Because, mm. like you said, he was out with all that investigation about what, what went on in his personal life. Yeah. But when Palestri was playing well, because Anthony was available without training or came back 24 hours before, Palestri was just dropped like a like oh. a hot potato. And for me, that just blew my mind. I was just like, this guy is doing well. He's gaining momentum in the first team. And now because Anthony's come back, who is not showing to do anything whatsoever, output-wise, you're just going to bring him back in because you spent 100 million or because you trust him or whatnot. Is that a consequence of because he costs so much though, Naz? No. I mean, if you drop 90 million euros on your player from Ajax, it's a bit like you just have he's to been dropping him. anyone and anyone like yeah. that. Do you know what I mean? He's not consistent just, with how he does it. Go on, Naz. Yeah, I just think it's because he's Ten Hogs boy. Let's put it, let's just be straight. He's Ten Hogs boy. That's why he's back in. Favorites. That's it's, he's got favorites and it's clear to see. Like, when you're struggling and you've got... Okay, he's not been in great form, but Varane is still a good defender. He can still marshal that back line. 100%. But then he would rather put Luke Shaw in and then play Gallo at left-back when you've got Regulon there as well. It just didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. No. Kobe Maguire's injured. Kobe Minor. I mean, Varane Kobe Minor. Where, where's Kobe Miner been since Everton? As well, no I don't one. think he's made one start. No, he hasn't since then. He's came on. He came on um, for thirty, no, right, ten minutes or so in one of the games after the Everton match. And you just think, yeah, yeah Galatasaray. And you just think, okay, Arabat played okay, but Mainu was—he's just something else. Yeah, he's so calm on the ball. He's not rash. He knows where to be positioning himself. Like when he cleared the ball off the line against Everton. Yeah, you just knew he had to be. Someone had to be there, and it was him. Yeah, and he done it. So. I don't know. I just I hope that there is some clear the air talks or whatever it is because these players really do need to switch on. Mm. And the likes of Murta, uh, well, not even Arnold anymore, but Fletcher really need to go in there and just give him a dressing down and just say we are backing the manager. If you don't want to be here, leave. Yeah, 
we were here before you, we'll be here after you sort of talk. Mm. We'll because... talk more about the actual game soon, but I just want to touch on something that Trav just said. Uh, what was it? Like, someone about expectations, Trav. And mm. I think that's the point that I want to make. And you both probably won't like it because you've grown up on Man United winning leagues in European Cups in the last 30 yeah. years. But from an outsider looking in, and it's not bantering from a Liverpool, I honestly think the best thing Man United can do is drop their expectation levels for at least two years. I would honestly bring in a disciplinarian or someone like Roy Keane. It sounds mad. As a man, I would. Is a manager, yeah. And I would instill respect back in that dressing room. He would never be able to do it, okay? Because people would say, well, if you're not going to spend in the transfer market, I ain't spending on a season ticket, okay? It wouldn't happen. But I'd say, we're not going to spend anything for the next two years. All these 90 million transfers and 250 grand wages, forget it. I'm going to get the respect back in the dressing room. I'm going to get rid of the the guys that don't want to be here, the mercenaries, the ones that are here for a paycheck that think they've made it, the hard work stopped the minute they walk through the door, clean out the dressing room, bring through the youth team. That would make sense from a business point of view as well because Man United are so far in debt. Their turnover is so great. They spend nothing for a couple of years. They could shave off 400 million off the debt pile. Guaranteed. That would give them a standpoint. Yeah, no, this is just what I'm saying. That should happen in the five-year plan. So two years, yes, you sign the, the odd nugget here or there, like Alexis McAllister, 30 million release clause. Of course, bring him in. It's a no-brainer. But, but you're bringing him in on 80, 90K a week. And again, if he does the job that you hope he do, does for a year or two, you up him to 150K a week. That's fine. He's got Man United in his blood now. He loves the club. After two years, then you have a dressing room. You might be mid-table. Forget about European Cups and winning leagues. But yeah. then you start with the turnover you've got, the money you've saved. You start adding nuggets here, then everywhere. And you've you've got rid of the 350k a week, David De Gea's and Jaden Sancho's. <laughs> uh, who else is on 350k? Casemiro. Casemiro. You've got rid of all of them and you are literally starting, like you mentioned, as the Liverpool model of a dressing room full of 80k a week players that want to play for the club, want to do well, want to come to a successful club uh, and be part of a project. And then, yeah, when if the, you unearth a Mo Salah or something like that, of course he's on 200k a week. You happen to stumble across a Van Dyke, 200k a week. And then that's it. You, <laughs> You start to look at where Man United can be bad. I look, do you know what? I love that idea, Scott. That, that, that is sort of the the way the direction we need to go. But I'm not saying there's an issue with that. But what what I want to just mention is that a lot of the players that we sign don't come with that attitude. They don't. They don't. They're not. Yeah, yeah but they will. They will. Because listen, Trav, you know why Jude Bellingham didn't sign for Liverpool? His star reached stratospheric levels. He was straight away, I'm on, I'm a 400k a week player. Mm. We That's why we pulled out. Yeah. Caicedo, it's easy to say, oh, Chelsea were looking after me in the summer. No, they weren't. That'd be tapping up for a start if a mm. fee's not agreed with Brighton. He was dangled the count at 300k a week. We come in, we'll pay you 150k a week. It's half. I ain't yeah. going to you. Way back in the day when um, Alexis Sanchez was coming to the Premier League and Luis Suarez left, Alexis Sanchez signed for Arsenal on 350k a week. There's no way we were paying him anywhere near that. So the story came out, he, his wife preferred London. No, she didn't. He preferred the 350k a week. He, he wouldn't have even got 200k a week at Liverpool. So that's the thing, Trav. 
as soon as a player comes in, and it's, it's happening now with this Andre from Brazil. Have you heard? Like, obviously, he was hotly tipped to be joining us. It's ran cold the last month. Apparently, he's going to Fulham. Oh, and it's again, he wants to live in London. No, he doesn't. Fulham are going to give him like 180k a week. We want to sign the next Luis Diaz, Dominic Sabose, 80k a week. If you do what you can, what it says on the tin, you'll be on 180k a week, but you ain't getting it now. You do it after you've been wearing the Liverpool shirt for two years. Straight away, that's him out. Like, we pull out of deals when these mercenaries are too big for the boots and want a big payday. And for me, that's what Man United need to do. And, the and then is, let's say two or three years down the line. Sorry, lads, I'm on a bit of a rant now no, from no, your club. Um, let's say you've you've done that and res, res, respecting the dressing room and the, the club have got like a bit of stability. If Roy Keane's not the tactical guy you want and thank him for all his work, you're a club legend, then you bring in your De Zerbi or, uh, or whoever else who's the, I mean, it's not Graham Potter. No one wants Graham Potter, but you bring in a De Zerbi. But my point is you bring in a De Zerbi now, okay, he will never, ever want to give the club two years. Forget us for two years. I'm cleaning this dressing room. I'm tidying this club up. He won't play uh, managers like Deserby, Ten Hag. They come into the club wanting and or feeling like it's expected success straight away. So they put pressure on themselves straight away, spending 200 million on players that maybe ain't the right fit or players that they know from the Dutch league. Or Deserby, a guarantee if he come in, he'd be going back to Brighton and, and smashing 100 on Evan Ferguson and 100 on someone else from Brighton, and they have to work because he'll feel pressure to be winning leagues straight away. And that is where you go wrong, in my opinion. How, how, many, how many of those United players then, they're not, obviously, not, they're not all on 300 grand a week, but how many of those players do you feel we've got now that aren't really justifying that salary? Because I don't think you can put Varane and Casemiro in that bracket. Like, like, Casemir, like Varane, he looks... Like, not average, but the reason this question marks about Varane is because of the team he's in. He's still he's still an unbelievable player. And when we signed him, I think he warranted that salary. Like, Casemiro might have not been the most logical deal. That's absolutely fine. I understand that in terms of his age. But in terms of the ability of the player, like, I, I can't, like, not justify that salary. I don't know what he was on at Real Madrid, but to, we signed a top-draw player at that time. We might... It might not have been the right signing, but that's irrelevant. In terms of the actual player itself, that's fine. When I'm thinking of players that are actually overpaid at Man U, I think there's a collection of players that potentially are, but I don't think they're actually causing a toxic dressing room, so to speak. The reason I think it's toxic predominantly is that you said, I think there's a few names that have been there probably too long and they might feel that they're not getting the opportunities to play like they should have. Or, like Naz said, I think the bigger thing is is the favourites thing. That's been the biggest thing for me. So, like, for example, I go back to when Eric Bailly was at the club. He probably felt that he should have been playing ahead of Bailly and Lindelof in terms of his ability. And every time he played, he played better than the other two centre-backs. But Oli kept playing Maguire and Lindelof. It's the same with McTominay and Freddie went with them two. And everyone was like, well, why is Van Der Beek not getting a chance? So... I can't even relate it to the salaries as much. I do think we've got an issue with the salaries and I think that would work. But I think it's more like we don't pick teams on merit. Like that's probably the biggest thing. Like we don't relate it to the performances. We just go with who we need to go, who we feel we need to go with and we just persist with those players and we don't change it quick enough. <clears throat> that's probably the bigger issue for me. But yeah, no, again, think- that you're talking yeah. about the here and now, Trevor. I'm talking about the like the last 10 years 
Yeah. It, like it, I mentioned Luis Diaz and Dominic Sabosle, okay? 75k a week Luis Diaz is apparently on. Hopefully he gets a wage rise soon to fend off interest from Barcelona. Mm. Dominic Sabosle, the same. Jaden Sancho comes to the club and Anthony, okay? They're on five-year deals on 300 or 350k a week. Where's the incentive to come in, prove yourself to Man United and get an increment to take? Is If you reach us to that level, you'll also get to that level. There is none. You've got your five-year deal. It's feet up, slippers on. Like, where's the motivation? And that's where the floor is for me. See, for me, let's, let me just rein it back a little bit. Something you said, Scott. In the last 10 years, how many trophies have we won? Europa League, League Cup. Everyone since bar the big two. So we won about four in the last 10 years, right? Mm. That's in the last 10 years. So a club like Man United with the huge um, stature that it has in footballing world, Ed Woodward said it in his first press conference when he took over after um, David Gill and said, we've got enough money to buy a Luis Suarez every season. Now, he basically just shit the bed. He didn't know it. He shit the bed from his whole tenure that he's been in there, right? Now, United, I'll go back to the trophy thing. United have only won four trophies in the last, yeah, 10, 10 11 years now. Mm. The problem is, Edward Wood is trying to save face and think, shit, we need some quick fixes here. Get the best players we can get. We'll spend whatever it is to bring them in. We'll pay them whatever they want. Because Jaden Sancho could have gone to Liverpool. He could have gone to Liverpool at one point. And I think under Klopp, he would have been immense. And he would have been on not even half the salary that he's on now, 375k a week. I'm just using Sancho as an example. United are getting desperate to get these big name players that have potential. So what do they do? Oh, we we want 500k a week. Oh, no, we'll give you 350. But then the likes of Liverpool City say, well, all right, we'll give you 110. So they're going, like you said, like Caicedo and all the rest. They're going Mason for the Mount. Mason, I, don't, just I, don't I like the Mount thing. But regarding of the others, over the last 10 years, we've paid over the odds for players. We've paid for mercenaries, basically. We've gone for names that are past their sell-by date. For instance, Cavani. Um, he still did well for us in the first season. But all these players after us, as soon as they fall out of favour, they're like, oh, don't really care. Martial, uh, 209 appearances, 63 goals as a striker. As a striker. He's probably got about 25 years. years. In nine years. Nine 2014, years. we signed him. This is his 10th year. He's due a testimony at the end of this season. Testimonial, sorry. I think what it is with the culture of the club, because we pay them so much and our board show their hand in negotiations like there's no tomorrow. They show how desperate they are for a player, they push for a player, and they'll pay whatever the odds. So there's no... There is an expectation that you need to perform. But if, for instance, Jaden Sancho, after two years, is now he's just buggered off and he's just sitting at home playing PlayStation um, and still earning 375 grand a week, there's no accountability. Why has the board given that that contract straight away to someone? Like you said, the increments. Spurs do it really well. I mean, Udogi, who's been sensational, he's they're due to give him a new contract with a pay rise. That's the kind of incentives that you need to be putting into a club all the time. Rashford, for me, is not a £350,000 player. I love Rashford to bits. bits. For whatever he's done for the club, what he's doing outside of football as well, I love him to bits. 
but performance wise 350 grand when Salah for instance the fourth or fifth leading scorer in Premier League all time or whatever it is is on half of what you're on it just doesn't make sense to me we're paying people too much money to come to us that they know that the culture around the club is so toxic that if they don't perform nothing's going to happen they're going to get dropped they're not going to get how City move a player on at their peak yeah, but exactly, you've just hit the nail on the head, Naz. Nothing can happen. Nothing how do you happen. shift a Harry Maguire who's on 300k a week or 250k a week? How do you shift him to West Ham for 80k a week? You're literally stuck with the Martials, the Harry Maguires. You're stuck with Jaden Sancho. Let's however, Maguire, however, Maguire at this point in the season, he's been our best defender. And again, Last you're going to get into trouble year. there because you're either going to release him on a free. Yeah. Or oh, hand him a new so. deal. <laughs> it's just the rot continues. Mm-hmm. Um, it's but just to now, it's just back to the, the Jim Ratcliffe thing. I don't think we really got into it, but I have said to Trav, I don't know if you watch the stream, I cannot see how it's going to work, Naz. I cannot see it. If he is in control of football and decisions, okay, the only way that works is if he gets it right. Yeah. And that's not a guarantee. If he gets it wrong, do you know who Hicks and Gillette are in Liverpool? Do you remember them? I don't know what age you are. If it goes wrong, if it goes wrong, it's bad. Who's who's pumping in more money, Naz? Mm -hmm. Ratcliffe or the Glazers? I know. And forget the money. Who's blaming who? Who's taking the blame? The blame. I cannot see how this is going to work at all. I can't see how it worked. The blame is going to go on Ratcliffe because the Glazers basically are going to say, well, footballing side has nothing to do with us. We're just bringing in the money and we're going to take our dividends because they will. They yeah. will take their dividends. And that's what but happened then, with Hicks and Gillette. One of them wanted yeah. to put in more money and make it a success and exactly. the other one didn't want to. However, Liverpool's ter- fortunes turn around when FSG come in. It was a, it did take a little while, but they are a more solidified club. The, one of the most solidified 100%. clubs in, in the league. And Liverpool and fans hate yeah. FSG. So exactly. it doesn't really matter, does it? That's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. If this was a business, I'd be like sucking them off. They're the best businessmen in the world. But for a footballing, um, footballing, what's the word? In terms of ambition and ambition, yeah, it's it is tough being owned by FSG. But the thing with Ratcliffe and Glazers, Naz, I cannot see how it's going to go right. I just cannot I see it. It's going to be the blame game. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but something needs to happen. And Glazers are pocketing this money, aren't they? Yes, yeah, they Yeah, 2.5. But the debt's going to be transferred onto Ineos. So we're going to be debt free. It's just Ineos will take on all of that debt. The Glazers are laughing because all they've done is service the, service the debt. I mean, it's just. I don't know how transfer kit is going to work. Mm-hmm. I don't know how if it's going to come from all Ineos's money or the revenue. You have to be self-sustained. But the Glazers, but, have well, that, that's yeah. exactly what I was about to say. It might end up being where you only spend fifty million a season net which is for the which next is couple of years, me. which is a sustainable thing, isn't it? It's fine by me as long as you're finding the gems. I mean, we've got the biggest scouting network in footballing in the footballing world. But what they're bringing in, nothing. <laughs> Ten Hogs players. Yeah, I mean, we had Caicedo available for five million, and Glazer said no. But that's that's one of the key points. We've got businessmen making footballing decisions. 
and how does that work? But with the sporting project coming into play, I don't know. We'll wait and see. I mean, it can't get any worse. Yeah, unless you get relegated, but it still can't get any worse. Yeah, is Ratcliffe a sporting guy? He is. He's got his hand in um, the Sky Cycling team. He's got it in Nice. So he's got his few ventures here and there. But Nice are doing well. Their structure's working now this season. Yeah. So I mean, he employs people to do rock particular jobs doesn't he like he's got yeah. sir david Beresford and stuff like that so yeah we can only wait and see there's no literally no guarantees but like you said what what's happening at the moment isn't working whether it's sacking managers whether it's the recruitment but it's not achieving our goals is it so yeah let, well, let's wait and see let's see what happens right and let's get on to the game lads sorry now's what you're gonna say even if the shape just seen one coming we don't know if that's gonna work yeah exactly we wouldn't have known if that well, was Oh, yeah. I think the only thing that's got a chance of working is a full sale. I would abs and I said it to Trav. I would absolutely hate it if a minority investor came into Liverpool. Uh, I mean, they did. It was rumored we sold ten percent. Although I've I read an article the other day that that hasn't gone through. So I don't know what's LeBron, happened there. You've got LeBron James as a minority investor as yeah, well. Yeah, he's really small. I think he's like half a percent or something. So it's not oh. even worth worrying about but yeah if we sold 25% it'd be the worst thing to happen to Liverpool because I know FSG would just take that money across the pond and build this um, whatever it is this New York basketball team no not New York Las Vegas basketball team they want next um, so yeah but it'll all come out in the wash let's see what happens with Sir Jim Ratcliffe but let's get on to the game um, Liverpool it doesn't get any tougher for Man United away to Liverpool. And mm. I cannot wait. Uh, I made a big statement um, in the group to you lads yesterday. Statement or prediction, whatever you want to call it. Lads, this is going to be Ten Hag's last game in, char in charge of Man United. Mm. He's He, you guys, okay, this is my prediction, are going to take an absolute slapping on Sunday. Obviously, I hope I'm right. You, you lads might think you can come and keep it tight and have a respectable scoreline, maybe nick a draw. Um, football's a funny old game. You can even get a win, but I think we're going to absolutely slap yous. And I think off the back of 7-0 last season away to Liverpool, I think his position's going to be untenable. That's my prediction. What do you mm. think? I don't know. Um, I mean, what the rumours are is that the club can't really afford to sack him. £20 million to sack the guy. They want to wait until the structure's in place first to make that decision and they really want to assess how they feel he will perform and what his stance is because they're basically saying that they want to relinquish some of the control over transfers in terms of him vetoing but apparently ten Hag was promised that he would always have control regardless of any sort of takeover so i think they're at a little bit of a standoff with that dynamic so it sounds like they want to give him to at least the end of the season regardless of what happens if the club feel this guy is the man there's no, there's literally no point in sacking him after a defeat tomorrow. We've not beaten one big away, one team away from home all last season and all this season. So it shouldn't just sack him just because of a heavy defeat to Liverpool. No, that's the thing. I think it'll be a seismic kind of like shock. Yeah, but what difference does it that's make if predicting. he's the guy? Like if you think he's the guy, a fan back. Fan backlash? No, but obviously I don't think they do think he's the guy still, do they? There's question marks, and a lot has come out in the last 24, 48 hours about Hot Dog, Graham mm. Potter. So there's there's murmurings, there's rumours. Um, yeah, I just think it's the the whether it's going to be a 
um, a reflex kind of move after an embarrassment at Anfield. That's going to remain to be seen in the next 72 hours. But I just think a heavy defeat. Well, there has to be a process. There still media. has to be a process regardless of what the score is. Like, we're performing... And let's be honest, 20 million, that's nothing, Trav. We're broke. Let's pay him off. But we're, look, we're performing badly against everyone. So everyone knows what's going to happen against Liverpool. Like, it, I'd be very surprised if we just turned it on at Anfield and got a result. Like, everyone knows we're going to lose the game. Do you know what I mean? And I don't think anyone's expecting us to perform any differently than we have all season. Like, it's not, it's not going to be a surprise. So, like, just to sack him off the back of that, like, I, I think he should be sacked based on his performance this season anyway, in general. But just because we've lost to Liverpool just to sack because of a heavy defeat, if you've not got your target lined up of who you want next or or a process or a plan of an interim or any, anything like that, then it, to me, that wouldn't make sense. Like, we have to have a plan in place of what we're going to do afterwards. What that plan is, isn't my job. But I don't think, like, just because we lose four or five nil with a poor performance, like, oh, Sat the guy just because it's Liverpool. We've just held no, free no, to no, Bournemouth. No. Do you know what I mean? We've just no, held I don't mean that. I mean this is going to be the last straw. There's going to be social media pressure. There's going to be a meltdown. Basically, I think if it's, it's, a, if it's another Sorry. embarrassing defeat anywhere near the seven nil. I'm more I'm embarrassed about last week for. though. If we get beat by you five nil on Sunday, I'm more embarrassed about losing three nil at Old Trafford to Bournemouth because you can you, even if you're flying, you can go. I mean, under Fergie. We got slapped by City 6-1 at Old Trafford. Do you know what I mean? That happens. I know we had 10 men at the time, but you can go and lose a big game and, and we're not in a good place at the moment and Liverpool are flying. So is it going to be a surprise if we get beat 4-0? No, it's not. Do you know what I mean? So it's for them to just say, oh, you got sacked because like this is an untenable now because you've just lost to Liverpool. That's daft. It's more untenable to lose 3-0 to Bournemouth. Do you know what I mean? That's like, I mean. Coming, bro- coming bottom of the Champions League. These are these are bigger red flags than losing away at Anfield. We've lost that away at Anfield loads of times. So, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not so sure if it's going to be his last game, to be honest. But again, to be fair, that wouldn't surprise me with the club because the club are impulsive. They do read into fan reaction a little bit too much. So if they do sack him off the back of Liverpool after like a, a meltdown by the fan base, that also wouldn't surprise me, but it shouldn't be the case. Yeah, I agree. I don't think they'll sack him, regardless of the Liverpool result, unless he gets into double digits. Let's see how that goes. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I just think and if he gets to double digits, I can see him yeah, going. Of we lose like five or six. I don't think they're gonna sack him. However, I do think. By the end of this month, if we lose to Liverpool, we lose to West Ham, lose to Villa, and then we lose to Forest uh, on the 30th, I think it is, I can't see a way back in for him. That's why I'm saying by the end of this month, we've lost every single game this month, I think, so far, I believe. Mm. I could be yeah. wrong. But uh, we haven't won. Um, I mean, if you think about it, last season, we lost the first two games. We got smashed by Brentford. And Brighton. Brighton, we lost at home 2 0 or 2 1, and then ripped apart at um, Brighton. Uh, sorry, at Brentford. But people were calling for his head after the second game. <laughs> so it's nothing It's nothing that we haven't seen before, anyway. Mm. Like people were calling yeah, 10 hard. That's what I'm saying. This just feels. But do, do you think, Naz, you're saying it because of this whole Sir Jim Ratcliffe thing, kind of this cloud hanging over? Do you think that's kind of saving him at the minute? 
it's all kind of waiting who's making the decision and there's a, there's a bit to happen upstairs. I think so. I think if this takeover is happening, they're not changing a manager in between because, first of all, Sergin would want to be the one that makes the decision, not the Glazers. So I think, I also think we're not going to do anything in January and they'll say that we've got no money, but I reckon it's to do with a takeover happening. So obviously you can't have any transfers happening in the, during that process. I don't even think we do any loan deals or anything like that. But for me, um, I, I honestly do think, I've said it to quite a few friends as well, I do think if Ten Hag doesn't come out with any positivity in the whole of December, then, yeah, I think his days are numbered. As much as I hate to say that, I think his days are numbered. Mm. Uh, team news for Liverpool. There's a bit of a decision to make, lads, given you hot off the press. Trent Alexander-Arnold in a centre-mid. Jurgen Klopp keeps giving him more and more time in centre-mid every game. It was 15 minutes three games ago. Then it was half an hour. Last week, he went in a centre-mid at half-time, brought on Joe Gomez. The way the pattern's going, Joe Gomez is going to start it right back. Trent's going to be in the centre of the park in the absence of the probable injury to Alexis McAllister. Um, and that will leave Canati at the back, which he started last night in the Europa League. I was a bit miffed at. So, um, I mean, that. I mean, Joe Gomez could even start at centre-back with Trent Alexander-Arnold. But let's just say it's Gomez at right-back, Canati, Van Dijk, Simicast, Andy Robertson still out. Trent starting a game for the first time in CDM. Um, I mean, is it even CDM? It's the centre of the park. People make a lot about a number six, a CDM, but when you're on the front foot, especially at home, um, you're just all over. It's almost like a free roll. That leave Sabosle on the right and probably Gravenberch on the left, or he might go Curtis Jones, a local lad in a kind of derby like this. And then the indications are that it would be Nunes in the centre with Luis Diaz on the left and Salah on the right, purely because Gakpo started last night. I did think that Gakpo would start um, on Sunday. I just thought this is the kind of game. He started the 7-0 last season. So I thought Jurgen Klopp would go for same type of team, same type of, type of lineup. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to be the 11 we go for. What's, what's the Man United news? Who was declared fit today? Rashford, Rash I see. Is that right? Rashford, Rashford and Shaw will, are fit. Maguire and Martial are out. Um, everything else remains the same. Longer term absentees. Um, Malassia, Mount, they're all still out. Ericsson's out. Um, Bruno suspended, obviously. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's... I wouldn't say it's decimated, but, I mean, both sides have got injuries. To be honest, Liverpool have got a few themselves. It's not anything that, well, not, I wouldn't say it's not anything that we can't cope with, but we've pretty much had injuries all season. Do you know what I mean? This is pretty much the squad that we, this is what we've had to cope with. We've had to deal with injuries. Martinez is another long term absentee. So I don't think we're going to go there with a, with a side that's much different. I think Bruno is obviously going to be the big miss in terms of the player that that regularly plays, but everyone else is just going to be as you were. I expect Amrabat to play. I expect McTominay to play. He's been playing every game. Um, I think the front three, I wouldn't say it picks itself. I actually do think Rashford might come in, back in for this game as a derby. I think Anthony might make way for him. We've got Nacho on the left, Rashford probably on the right, Hoyland up front. And then I expect the back line to be Varane, 
with the injuries we've got, Varane and probably Johnny Evans, um, and then Dallow right back, and then or we could go Dallow left, uh, no Shaw left back, and then Wan Bissaka right back or something against Diaz with his pace or something like that. It's, I mean, the right backs, he's splitting hairs. He could pick any of them. I don't think there's much between the two of them. Shaw will play left back. But if I see Evans and Shaw centre back with Ran on the bench again and that Regulon, then I'll just lose my head. But I'm just, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. So again, we'll just have to see, boys, what he, what he musters up. I that do think that this sounded be... like absolute toilet trap. <laughs> I do think Sorry, that we man. could play Menu in the center. Yeah, what's happened to him? Oh, I, don't make I think he'll play Menu as well. Yeah, Amrabat, Menu, and Tomine. I yeah, think that's what I think. Mm. But what the rest of what Trav said, yeah, I agree with. I mean, that could be starting lineup. The only thing I could think of that could potentially be uh, a little bit of a banana skin is I, I don't know if he will drop Hoyland and play Martial. I don't, I don't think it's the right thing because I think Hoyland could cause more bullying effects to the defenders and back into them. And you know how Virgil van Dijk likes to get tight with them and then just come out of the way and do his thing. With Martial, he just needs to blow and Martial will just fall. So <laughs> I don't think he offers what he does, but Ken Hag surprised me. Some some of the, like, the starting 11s that you picked, like we went really well against Everton, the front three didn't well. And then the very next game against Bournemouth, you put Martial, who didn't do anything. You just think if it's not broken, why fix it? Yeah. Martial still playing for Man United feels mad. I've said it to you before, Trav. It's like me watching a, a Legends game, Naz, and seeing Steve McManaman in this season's Liverpool top. <laughs> it just looks odd. Looks weird that he's still there. Just to touch on Liverpool, Obviously, going back to the summer, I really doubted whether Klopp still had the hunger. He's massively proved me wrong. And that's what football is all about, having opinions. And whether they're right or wrong, it doesn't really matter. Klopp's doing the business. He really is. And I think Liverpool, they're not at full tilt. They've got plenty of goals in the side. And I think, going back to Scott's lineup, I think Nunes will get the nod just purely because United on transitions are absolutely terrible. Whenever we lose the ball, there's acres of space. There's lots of space to run in behind. Um, and there's a lot of space in the middle of the park. So I expect like the likes of Nunes, Salah, Soboslai, they all can travel with the ball really well. So I, I expect United to, to be caused a lot of problems. And Liverpool have got a fantastic goalkeeper as well. I don't think, even if you do get past the defence and you, you shoot against this goalkeeper, you're more or less saving everything at the moment. They're in a fantastic place. Um, it's going to be a tough game for United. And I think Liverpool should be sort of excited going into the game. And I think they'll smell blood and really go for the juggler. I think Jurgen Klopp will be getting right into them, saying, Let, let's really rub salt into the wounds here. I think they will be going for another big score. Why wouldn't they? Do you know what I mean? That's what I said in my Liverpool group chat today. A few of the mm. lads are like, I'm worried. Can we be complacent? And I'm like, no, we're going to smell blood. Trust me. Yeah. Any yeah, other yeah. team but Man U... You, I can't believe that we'd ever get complacent against Manu, um, just purely because it's a derby, the history of the two clubs, the rivalry. Um, but yeah, Edward uh, is just joined. How you doing, mate? You okay? Honky, what's your prediction against United? Let's get straight to it. Um, it is the hurtful bar. 
<laughs> the last eight games at Anfield, lads, I was looking today, we've won 18-1 on aggregate. You scored one goal in eight eight visits to Anfield. Anyone predict a potential shock here? No. Go. Let's hit me with your predictions then. 3-0 three, three Liverpool for me. 3-0, comfortable. Dominate from start to finish. Couple of goals in the first half, probably add one in the second half. Done. Done and dusted. Probably take the foot off the gas at around 60, make a couple of changes. Bring on yeah. the Harvey Elliotts and... That's it. Three and easy, mate. Three and easy for me. Yeah, I, I'm going to say 4-0. I just don't know... I don't know where we're going to stop these goals going in. And 4-0... We're, we're not going to score, are we? No, we're definitely not scoring. We haven't scored in the last two games and we had one shot um, against Bayern Munich. I know it's Bayern, but even against um, Bournemouth, I think we had about five shots. Pitiful, um, I can't see it. I literally can't. Liverpool's XG for goals conceded was around, should have been about 20-odd. And because of Allison, they've conceded, what, 15? Mm. Whereas if you look at Arsenal's, theirs should have been around 15 and they've conceded 20-odd. So a goalkeeper makes a massive difference. I'm not saying Anana won't, yeah. but Allison has saved them huge points, even against Palace last week. Yeah, Palace yeah. has scored twice, and he's done yeah. brilliant. Allison at the moment is the best keeper in the world, and I cannot see United will not score. No, and I hate to be that confident. I cannot see it because the mm. players' heads will drop, and we'll be lucky to walk away with three or four nil. Vic- um, sorry, defeat, not victory. Defeat. <laughs> we'll be very lucky. I hate saying that, but I can't mm-hmm. see it. I can't see anything different. Uh, I don't know if any of you play Super 6. I do. I won't get up to show you, but I put on Super 6, 5-0 to Liverpool. I've reassured my Liverpool group chat. You boys need to relax. We've got this. There's going to be no complacency. I can't wait for the game, but yeah, I think it's going to be an, another absolute slapping. Uh, I hope I'm right, obviously, being a Liverpool fan. Uh, I'm not sure where you would go from 5-0. Obviously, I've said that I predict that Ten Hag will get the sack off the back of that. I think there'll be too much social media hype, meltdown, too much going on. They'll pull the trigger, wait for Sir Jim Ratcliffe to come in while Michael Carrick takes over. Uh, caretaker duties. Is Michael Carrick still at Middlesbrough? Yeah, yeah. He's, doing, he's, he's doing a good job. There's no way. There's no way we'll get anyone like that. No chance. Kieran is Ryan Giggs cleared these days? Yeah, he's cleared, but we're not going to get anyone like that. Listen, Scott, if you get 5-0 and you win 5-0, I'm taking that as progress. You best believe, mate. <laughs> We've lost five. It's progress. <laughs> I love it. Progress would be just scoring, as. Progress would be hitting the target. Um, but yeah, I, I echo what you're saying about Alisson. He's incredible. Um Liverpool would not be top of the league without Allison. It really is as simple as that. He's no. making one or two world-class saves every game. Um, he's just been absolute class. I'm so glad he, he wasn't out for long with that injury. Um, obviously, you've seen what happened when he was out. We conceded three at home to Fulham without Allison. So, just shows you how important he is. But he's back, thank God. Right, lads. Um, cheers for your time on this Friday evening. Hope you enjoy your weekend. Um, if we're free, if you boys are, a Sunday morning coffee, half an hour chat. Talk yeah. about your nerves before the game, if any is a free. Uh, I'll see if OB's free, of course. 
Um, and then we just enjoy the game. That's it. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Sound so good. Done. And listen, I promise you, uh, if anyone's made it this far, don't forget to like and subscribe, of course. But obviously, we'll be back when it's Liverpool versus Man U OT, won't we, lads? We will. It's not all That's these it. specials just because it's at Anfield. But um, yeah, everyone enjoy your weekend. Liverpool against Man United, Super Sunday. They don't get much bigger than that. We'll see you in the next one. Peace. Cheers, lads. Oh, you beauty! What a headshot!